Here we are talking about coaching. Uh, I'm here with uh, Ankush Jain, um, and uh, I'm excited about this conversation because I've heard a lot about you. Um, not in the traditional way that I hear about people, but uh, mostly through your coaching. Uh, because a colleague of mine, uh, who I value a lot, uh, he's been coaching for you uh, with you for a while, and he often talks about uh, his experiences with his own coach. And it made me super curious about uh, you and your style, what you think about it. Uh, I've heard your name around uh, mostly through the, the Chandlerian school, as I, as I call it. Um, so I, I get a bit of a sense for where you're coming into coaching with. Uh, I've done a bit of research, obviously, and uh, really curious about some of the things you write on your website and that you, you said in, in some other podcasts or bits of content. Uh, you write quite a lot, which I, which I really like. So uh, I can't wait to, to tap into uh, you and what you think about coaching. And I think uh, it can go places where I'm sure there's a lot of value uh, there for many other coaches. So welcome so much, Ankush. Um, what, what else, how else would you introduce yourself? Uh, for example, what would you say at a, at a dinner party if somebody asks you uh, what you do? Uh, well, thank you, first of all, for having me on, on your show. I, I appreciate the invite. Um, and looking forward to this conversation too. Uh, you, you kind of caught me off guard a little bit when you said, what would I say at a dinner party? Because what I would say at a dinner party is probably very different. Um, and I don't really talk too much about coaching in, in, in kind of social situations. But um, I guess I could just introduce myself as, as a coach. I've been uh, professionally coaching since 2012. Um, I did that part-time. Uh, for a while and then went full-time at the start of 2015. Uh, I'm based in the UK. I've moved around a bit. So if you hear older interviews, I'll be different places at the moment. I'm in the kind of east of England. Uh, we live in a little village. I uh, have a cute little baby boy who uh, is is about 19 months old. So it's uh, lovely. Yeah, fun fun time being with him. How are you sleeping? Um, Yeah. Okay. Fine. He's 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 actually Touchwood a a, a really good good sleeper, and um, yeah. No, it's 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 great. Um, challenging at times, but for sure. Um, but uh, but great. And um, what else can I say about coaching? Yeah, I, I I love coaching. I love the profession. I'm a big fan of the profession. Um, I'm very passionate about it. As as probably will come out on this on this podcast. Um, I wrote a book in. Uh, that I published in 2019. I'm writing another book uh, for coaches at the moment. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to this conversation and sharing things that would be useful to other coaches. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, if I got anything from uh, what I've seen so far is that you also embody this philosophy of serving, um, really helping people out as a, as a cornerstone for your business and for your coaching approach. Um, I, I really value that in people. Um, does does that hit? Does it hit in the core as as far as I can see? Yeah, and and maybe I'll give you a bit of bit of background. You know, so <clears throat> when I got into coaching in 2012, I had been around the personal development world for a long time. You know, over a decade, and I'd hired coaches. I'd done various trainings. You know, I'd spent thousands of pounds or dollars or euros, or whatever, flying around the world, attending trainings. I would 
listen to audios in my car while I was driving. I would be reading books and I, I was a real kind of personal development junkie huh. um, and wasn't new to the personal development space. And, you know, I, when I started coaching, I, I didn't really know anything about the business of coaching, but I thought, Hey, it sounds like a cool thing. It was, it was kind of a dream. Wow. I could get paid to help people. How cool is that? Because one of the things facets, I guess, of me, uh, when I was in the personal development world, I never planned on becoming a coach, mm -hmm. but, um, whenever I learned something, I, I was always excited because I was excited about sharing it. So people in my world, I always wanted them to benefit from whatever I was learning. You know, my friends, my, my colleagues, I would share personal development CDs with my, my colleagues at work, but with my boss's boss who loved it and we'd talk about personal development stuff. So, you know, I was always into sharing and, and, and just almost like a, like a hobby, like, Hey, you know, you know, I don't know if, if someone's into computer games, they're like, Hey, have you checked out the new, I don't know, call of duty or something? I don't know. I'm not into computer <laughs> games. Right. But it, it was the same way for me that if I learned something new that could help me be more effective in the world, I was always, you know, really, um, I would enjoy sharing that with people. I would get a kick out of helping people. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into coaching, I didn't understand too much about the business of coaching. And at the beginning, it seemed like I had to do stuff, which was not in line with that natural um, vibe that I had of helping. Right. It was like, well, let me help you a little bit, but then you got to pay me. <laughs> and I've got to, I've got to um, <clears throat> hit people's pain points to get them to sign up with me which I, re which really felt, um, it didn't feel right to me, you know? And, um, I remember going to this big personal development conference, I think about a year before I became a coach, something like that, six months or a year. And I was such a big fan of personal development. It helped me so much that I went there. And I was like, wow, there are all these big names there. And, um, I'm not going to mention who, who was there, but it was, people would know, you know, some of the names that were there. And there was so much heavy selling, mm, yeah. so much manipulation, yeah. right? There was one guy who was like, and you could see it like, oh, you know, if you're sitting here in the audience and you've got a woman in your life and she tells you she's okay, she's lying. She resents you <laughs> for not buying her the stuff that she needs. And I was just like listening to that. And I had so much respect for the, the coach that this person was representing. And I was like, I'm never buying anything off mm -hmm. you again. Mm -hmm. And it was such a shame because I was like, I know how much personal development and coaching and training can really help it. Like it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, wow, I was taking something so pure to me and it, it really sullied it. it, you know, and I felt so grateful that a lot of teachers and mentors I'd come across weren't like that. And so anyway, so I get into coaching and I was very mindful of not wanting to be like that, but it felt like I had to do a bit of it and it never gelled with me. And so when I came across Steve Chandler's approach, which is all based on service, that just landed so well, so quickly that it, it, it not only works, but it, it made sense for me and my own personal value system. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I spoke to a guy yesterday who was interested in working with me he got a lot of value out of it. And then he's like, I'm not in a position to, to pay, to pay you or hire you right now. And he was really like cagey and like anxious. And I was like, 
why are you being anxious? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't want to feel like, you know, I've taken advantage. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. I'm good. I love that I get to talk to people all day, every day and help them. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, all I care about. And it's such a helpful attitude to have to go into consultations with is to enjoy what is happening right now. I similarly, I feel such a privilege to be able to hear these stories in such depth and meet people in a way that a lot of people around them actually don't get to meet them. And uh, if you come in with an attitude of like, yes, I really want to help you and I'm very you know, passionate and I'm hoping that we can go ahead. But if, it, if it's not the right time for you, or if it doesn't feel like a good fit right now or in general, then that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really think it's a huge privilege that we get to do this work for a living. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I really treat it that way, you know, and um, I get, as you can tell, I get very passionate about it. <laughs> and, um, and I think, you know, it's funny. Um, I really believe that coaching has the profession of coaching has so much power to change the world, like really, right? Because when we coach people and we, we, you know, okay, we're not doing something to them, but you know, whatever happens in that process called coaching and they wake up to more clearly see who they are. I, I, that's happened mm -hmm. for me with my coach. It doesn't just impact the person. I, I say this to people all the time it changes everyone in their world, hmm. right? So as I've changed, as I've been coached, I mean, it is unbelievable if you met me, you know, I'm 39. If you met me when I was 18 or not even when I just turned 19, it would be laughable. Like there'd be no way that I'd be doing what I'm doing now and be, and who I am now. Mm -hmm. Like before I became a coach, people would say, wow, you've changed so much because I was into personal development and that's the power of, of this work. But, but now it's like, I see coaching literally can change us beyond what anything that we see is possible. Because I've, I've lived that mm -hmm. and that has had such big impacts on my whole family, my friends, my wife, my son is going to have, my son probably wouldn't have been born if I didn't get coached. Cause I would have messed up my marriage, right. right? I probably would have messed up before I got married. I messed up the relationship, but let's even assume that I got to having a son and let's say it was the same son with the same wife, right? Hmm. His life is going to be so much better now because of, of, of me getting coached. And I know that's hmm. what happens for, for my clients and, and clients of coaches. Mm -hmm. Right. And so who, who knows who knows the ripples we don't even get to see them yeah and so yeah you know i get really um i get really touched by that i mean i i, mm -hmm. I get goosebumps just thinking about that that's what we do you know it, it's really profound work mm -hmm. yeah the generative effect is enormous and people become better people when they become coaches but also when you become coached you know, when you get coached, you develop a different relationship with yourself, which immediately changes the relationship with people around you. And so I, I do believe in the generative effect. And that's part of uh, why I love this profession so much. I think we have that very much in common. Yeah. Um, 
I would love to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned that uh, you you were into personal development before you became a coach. You've traveled around the world. You've done a lot on like spent so much money on like all of these courses. Really invested in yourself. Um, what allowed you to do that? Uh, you you're coming from a corporate background, right? Yeah. So you know, I want to I want to make it clear that the kind of real investment only happened like the last few years before. I, I, be, I professionally turned into a coach. So mm -hmm. um, I was fortunate and I was also a bit crazy that I had no real hobbies apart from coaching. <laughs> I mean, I like traveling. I like hanging out with my friends. I like going out and socializing. Mm -hmm. were, but really my passion, I was hooked to like personal development, you know, right the way through from kind of like 19, 20 years old. Um, and so I hired my first coach when I was 25 and I was fortunate. I had a corporate job. I earned well. Um, and I had disposable income, right? And maybe mm -hmm. when other people were spending disposable income on going out and getting drunk, I was spending my disposable income on uh, personal development stuff, you know? And there's so much stuff for free. So a lot of stuff that I did was didn't cost me anything. But interestingly, when I got a coach, that, that was helpful. And um, I was the coach's first client. So he was very raw and he made lots of mistakes that he probably wouldn't make now, but you know, it was still For a great experience. Uh, he was constantly late. I mean, he let, he had me waiting once for him for like two or three hours in London. Oh, there was wow. like some real bad, I won't say too much about it, I don't want to bad mouth it, but like there were some things that weren't great, <laughs> which was helpful too, because it helped me see what I wanted to, to be like as a coach. But there was some great stuff about it, about it too. Um, and then like a few years later, then I, I, I worked with someone else and I did their group program, an online program. Then I met them in person and, And then they introduced me to someone else and I flew to Las Vegas and did a training over there. And I really saw um, investing in myself and paying for that really had me show up differently because mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I used to like pirate loads of stuff. There was all this stuff online. I would download eBooks and courses and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would never watch them. Mm. I've never watched them. I'd, you know, I would, I'd listen to some stuff, some audiobooks. But, but a lot of stuff I just had lying around on my computer that I never got around to. Mm -hmm. And I realized something in, in kind of my, my like late 20s that when I pay for something, right, like it, I just mm -hmm. treat it so differently. It benefits me <clears throat> to pay. And I remember when I, you know, I was like 28, 29, and I did a few things that were qu quite, you know, expensive. Well, not expensive is, is relative. They, they cost, you know, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Let me put it that way. And after I did that, I was like, man, I wish I did this years ago. Like it was so good paying the money, seeing a coach in real life, like doing some kind of training. And that wasn't even one-on-one. -on -one. And I really mm -hmm. saw, you know, the benefit of that. Um, but what enabled me to do it just, I guess it was my passion, bloody mindedness. And mm -hmm. um, I, I really didn't spend money on too much else. I used to go traveling a little bit here and there, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, You know, when you're earning, you know, a half decent salary, a few thousand pounds a year, you know, if you're not, if you're not getting drunk, you know, there, there's your money. <laughs> you <know? So laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. Would you say that's crucial for coaches to have gone through their own journeys to have, you know, invested in themselves to that extent? I would, I wouldn't say it's, it's crucial that they've gone through the journey investing. So I'm, I think it's crucial that they keep doing that. Right. You know, one of the things that I've learned from my coach, uh, you mentioned Steve Chandler. 
I've, I've been working with him nonstop. We've not had a break for seven years. Um, and we're still working together. And, um, what I was amazed when I hired him, he was known even back then as the godfather of coaching. He'd written all these books. He didn't need to do anything. Like if you, if I looked at it from the outside, there wasn't any need for him to do any more personal development. And I've been in awe over the last seven years of watching him closely. I have a very close relationship with him and seeing what he does and everything he invests in from, from kind of strategic stuff right the way through to, you know, real spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And he's a very different coach now than he was seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he would say a lot, and I would agree a lot more effective. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really been great for me to, to, to kind of be near that and see that, you know, there's no end point. I kind of realized that many years ago that if I was in this profession, it's just part of being in this profession is I would always Mm -hmm be on some kind of learning journey and maybe I'll get to a stage where I'll have a break in coaching for a little bit. I can see that happening, but I don't think Mm -hmm. I'll ever get to a stage where I'm not learning, you know, that, and, and I, and I love that about this profession and I actually say, you know, someone says to me, should I get into coaching? Mm -hmm. I'll always say, well, you know, there are a few things. And one of them is, well, do you like learning? Right. Do you have that learning mindset? If you Mm -hmm. do, if you, if that's a passion for you, then this is a great profession to be in. Like to me, like personal development was my hobby in my twenties. Now I have an excuse to spend all this money <laughs> on developing myself because it's my job, which it's I love. Part of the job, yeah. <laughs> part of the job. It's 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 great, you know. So um, and if and if you don't have that, you know, if if and and I don't think there's that many people. There are some people who come into this profession thinking, right, I've done this. I just mm. want to get paid, and I'm not going to learn anything else. Well, I don't think those coaches tend to, to last very yeah. long in this profession. Yeah, and I think what's important, what I want to underline is that uh, the learning journey is the important one, the continuing to develop. Uh, you don't need to spend however much you spent on coaching with Steve Chandler or you know, flying to whatever, see Tony Robbins uh, on the other side of the world. You know, People can invest in themselves and they can continue to learn. Somebody's uh, 50 pounds is another person's 500 or five grand. You know, so I think as long there's so much knowledge out there and, uh, you know, some you have to invest quite a bit and some people need to stretch themselves more than others. But I think what's important is that we continuously grow because every everything I learn tends to influence my coaching in some way or another. I can notice in supervision on reflection uh, how certain bits that I'm currently reading or learning about or uh, coursing in, you know, uh, how they how they come up uh, while I'm sitting with clients. And it's helpful not to just learn, 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 but then to create the spaces where we can integrate what we learn into the way that we work with people. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that, you know, there is a difference and I'm not saying anyone needs to do anything or hire anyone, but what I did see for myself is when I was, because I was really into personal development, like I said, for a long time, but it was only the last few years that I really hired people. Mm -hmm. And and, and maybe it's just my learning style, but, and I would love books. I would get a lot of knowledge, but there was something very different about working with someone either as a coach, one-to-one or, or in a small group. To, to me, there was a different level of then understanding what that person was sharing or teaching or trying to address, you know, um, 
because everyone that I hired actually um, or worked with in a significant way, I'd actually it consumed a lot of their content mm. for a long time before I worked with them in mm -hmm. a in a paid fashion. Mm -hmm. And yet, despite having consumed so much of their content and thinking I had a good grasp of what they were about, it was so different when when you know you're in that um, conversation in real life and you can bring your own particular challenges or whatever to the to the situation. Um, and I think there is something, you know, about um, like th there was a change in me when there was a willingness to invest, a, you know, a certain amount of money. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that's a bit controversial. Maybe it only applies to me. I'm not suggesting anyone has to do that. But, but there was like two years ago, um, just under, I, I invested in an apprenticeship with Steve Chandler, which was tens of thousands of dollars. And I'd never, in, even though I'd worked with Steve, it was kind of more than double what I'd previously paid him. And we had the double whammy that the exchange rate was really bad at the time, right? Mm. Um, for, for kind of UK to US. And so the, it was the, the most amount of money. My wife was pregnant. We were expecting our first child. Um, it was completely the wrong time to do it. And, and I did it um, and it felt right to do it. But there was something shifted in me, right? There's something shifted in me. And I've heard other coaches talk about it. And they, they, they all would say like, until you do it, you can't, you can't say. And, and, I, and I experienced that. I was like, mm. when I handed over such a large sum of money, like it was just a ridiculously large sum of money for me, something changed. Like even though I'd been working with Steve for so many years, like I really changed in how I showed up. Mm -hmm. with the same person, you know, he wasn't like holding back for five years. Mm -hmm. um, it was a bigger agreement. I, I changed. And mm -hmm. it was the same thing years ago when I went 2012, when I went to Las Vegas, it was about three and a half thousand dollars plus flights and a few other things. And in those days for me, I was 29 years old. That was a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And, and, putting in whatever was significant for me, I think there is, there is something about that, mm -hmm. right? There, there really is. I, I still draw from that uh, experience the first time, you know, uh, where I put a serious amount of money on the table. Um, I, I still uh, talk about it sometimes because uh, when, I, when I pitch a package uh, that is quite expensive, um, some of them are, And I can see the same reaction that I probably had in my face and I can resonate with that. And I think, uh, as you say, once you have the experience of having invested in yourself to that degree, I think we speak with a different kind of confidence about believing in the potential uh, that that kind of um, action has. Absolutely. Um, I do. I'd love to dig into uh, to Steve Chandler and coaching approaches a bit. Uh, and partly, I'm just interested what it's like to get coached by Steve Chandler and kind of what's what's his style is. But also, I'm I'm particularly interested in uh, how much mentoring is in there because I've I've seen uh, him do a few sessions with people, but like there's a strong mentoring element. And he has access to so much knowledge as well. And I know a few other people who got coached by Steve, and I think he's bringing that part in. Um, 
you also mentioned on your website that there's a there's an interplay between life coaching, business consulting, and mentoring. So I I wonder first of all what's it like to work with Steve, but also uh, what's it like for you, you know, uh, in terms of bringing these elements together because there's such a range to what coaching can be and some coaches are just straight up mentors or consultants and others are very facilitative and they wouldn't bring themselves into that relationship much so um you know I'm, that's on the table now maybe uh, maybe you can speak into that space yeah i mean i can only really speak about my journey with steve mm -hmm. which which would be different to other people and you know sometimes steve's told me stories of of how he's worked with a client you know an, anonymously um oh like oh i work with a client like this and, and i was like wow he's never spoken to me in that way or coached me in that way and i would sometimes talk to other coaches who were getting coached by steve like compare what did you learn from steve and you know we, we'd see if we could <laughs> glean some more information and what was so interesting to me was that the coaching sessions were so different you know and like Steve and I have a really similar sense of humor. We, we joke around a lot. <laughs> and so I just assumed he was like that with everyone. And then I would talk to, you know, um, another coach who was similar age to me, was also male. And I'm like, Oh, you know, Steve's at this or that. And he was like, Oh, Steve never does that with me. <laughs> and so it, it, it's different with every person. And I can, I can relate to that because if I reflect on my coaching with my clients, it's very different too. Mm. And mm -hmm. so with someone, I'm, there might be a ton of silence and I, I don't get involved and I let the client come to their own conclusions because I just get a sense that works for them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just, it's, it's bad coaching in a way <laughs> because I'm talking a lot. I, I, I recently, recently, like six, eight months ago, um, had a, a in-person day with a client. Maybe it was a bit longer. It was in between lockdowns and pandemics and where we could mm -hmm. meet. And so I had a client come and spend the day with me and I wasn't listening to him at all. Like I, well, that's not true. I was listening, but I was really challenging. Mm. Right. And I was really kind of like holding his feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. And there was a little voice in my head was going, this is bad coaching. You know, you're, you're, you're um, not letting the client find their wisdom. And, and I kind of ignored it and just, I just went for it mm -hmm. and the, the client leaves and I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe I should be different next time. I, well, I was maybe second guessing myself. And the client then tells me a day or two later that he went home. He lived with his parents at the time and his parents said, what did he do to you? You're not the same in a good way. Like you're not the no. same person as when you left here. Right. And, and he found it so impactful. And I think, I, again, I've probably got that from Steve Chandler, who, who I feel got it from Steve Hodison. You know, it's like at a certain point you throw all the rules out of the window and it's just about the person in front of you. And so, you know, it's a bit of a, an art, you know, there, there's science to it. So Steve Chandler, I know he can coach me in Byron Katie uh, using the work he has. Um, he has a, a grasp and understanding of the three principles. He's brought that into our coaching sessions. Um, he brings really world-class um, business consultancy, which, mm -hmm. which he's done a lot of. Um, he brings mentoring. Um, and he brings, it sounds weird, he brings friendship. Like it's, it's just, 
he seems to bring whatever helps me in that moment mm. and what I need. Yeah, and I think that is really the art to frame our space in this helping by talking spectrum, if we wanted to call it that. Uh, I like the Hans, uh, Eric De Hans playing field, uh, which goes from between challenging and supporting and exploring and suggesting. You know, there's different segments. Like we might, we might just put some stuff on the table for somebody to consider, but then 20 minutes later, it's deep exploration and we would never bring anything from ourselves in. You know, sometimes it's important that we just reinforce what somebody wants to do and believe and, you know, almost in a cheerleading kind of way. And sometimes we really need to challenge them quite hard and to figure out when, which approach is helpful and also to acquire the skills and the knowledge to be able to, uh, to hold whichever area of that playing field is going to be most appropriate and somehow be able to let the client make those decisions, mm -hmm. get a sense for what they need right now. Uh, I think that's the art of coaching. And I think the more mature a coach gets, I think the more, uh, the, the bigger their playing field. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what? It, one of the things that I gave myself permission a long time ago was I gave myself permission to mess up hmm. because I realized if I was going to try and do it right, like I mess up now all the time, hmm. but it's, but it's, you know, if I got so much in my head, like, Oh, I need to do it right. And I, you know, maybe I should be more supportive rather than challenging. Maybe I should be this or that mm -hmm. in the moment. It, I wouldn't be helpful. Yeah. Right. And so, and Not I see the same present. thing with, right. I see the same thing with Steve, you know, with Steve and me sometimes over the years, he's challenged me and I wasn't ready to hear it. And I've pushed back. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes he's coached me and I've done the opposite. And one thing that I love about Steve is, He's cool with that. He's not got, it's not like it's going to be his agenda. He will do whatever makes sense to him, but he's totally okay with me going and doing the opposite. And maybe mm. that's the right way. Maybe I'll come back and go, oh, you know what, Steve, that wasn't right. But mm -hmm. that's, you know, this is life. It's not, yeah. it's not a, it's not a, a computer game and with, you know, um, everything's in a certain kind of a boundary or whatever. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's the other part of it. And, and to me, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it's also a style thing, right? Yeah. Like every coach has, has a, has a different style um, and, and, and different. And, and I'm realizing this for myself as I'm maturing as a coach that, um, you know, there, in certain situations or with certain coaches, I have a preference And I like working with, I mean, this was a big insight for me years ago and it sounds so stupid. It sounds so obvious when I say it, mm -hmm. but I had a realization that I want to work with people who want to work with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it might sound like, well, of course, but it wasn't an of course until I had that insight. I, it was like, no, I've got to convince people that I'm a good coach and they've got to work with me. And, and that shifted when I was like, no, part of the requirement for me to take someone on as a client is that they value what I say and value the approach I'm bringing. Mm -hmm. And that works for both of us because if they don't, they're better off spending their money somewhere else. It would be a better investment for them. Right. right. And, right. and also it's more fun for me to work with people because I'm in this profession to help people. Mm -hmm. So if someone's not finding me helpful and not everyone will, right. Mm -hmm. There's no coach who everyone finds helpful. We, we all have preferences, Mm -hmm. So if that's true, then it just makes sense to, to have that fit be a good fit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of implies that people already kind of know you or they know what they're getting or they want to tune in with you. Um, but I guess that brings us into a, a different kind of direction of this conversation. I want to save that for a little bit later, perhaps. Um, you you mentioned uh, three principles. You mentioned Byron Katie's work. I saw the three principles uh, on part of your website. They seem to be uh, at the core of your coaching approach. So um, could you tell could you tell us a bit more about what the three principles are and how they shape the way that you work with people? Yeah, I came across them really by accident. So when I started looking into coaching, I was like, well, let me go and get trained. And I, I looked around at, you know, from online courses to, you know, various programs in London. And I, I came across um, or I knew of Jamie Smart, um, who's, who's, a, who's a UK-based coach. And I spoke to him and he didn't on paper, like, because he was he wasn't cheap you know the the course was like the same price or very similar price to doing a masters at a very prestigious university in executive coaching and i kind of narrowed it down to these two things i'm like well i get a masters and they're going to cover all these things and you know i'll get a certificate and all that, all of that and then i spoke to jamie and i didn't i was just like i was drawn to that and he coached me a little bit for free we just had half an hour session for several months before that, that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. So I knew he was good at what he did. And so I kind of went with him and I signed up, but I had no idea what the three principles was, but his whole training was basically a three principles training, which is a psychological slash spiritual understanding of how we create our reality. Mm -hmm. um, and the three principles are the principles of mind, thought, and consciousness. Um, which we don't need to go too much into, otherwise we'll, we'll take an hour just talking about that. But if I boil it down to simplistic, right, it, uh, language or best as I can, what the three principles point to is our experience of reality, the lowest common denominator are these three principles, right? Mind is the energy of all things. Consciousness, you could call our awareness. And thought is all mental activity, kind of our, our, our thinking you know, conscious thinking, unconscious thinking, the whole lot. And what did you say? Mind, mind was the matter of all things. Mind is the energy of all things. How so? Right. It's the de well. It's the definition of that of mind, right? So, if you just imagine what do three principles people mean by mind? They're not talking about brain. They're talking about God. They're talking about energy. They're talking about you know ev everything, right? And so it's kind of like, well, if that's powering our experience of life, right? We will, how else do we experience life? Well, we need consciousness. We need to be aware, right? So mm -hmm. there's consciousness. Um, but there's a third piece. And, and Sydney Banks, who first described the three principles, said thought was the missing link, right? Because there are other mm -hmm. spiritual traditions that talk about God and energy and talk about consciousness and awareness. But he said thought was the missing link but he used it as a principle. And this is really what's key in terms of my coaching, because what he was saying was thought as a principle, that is the third principle that creates our reality. And it's so, the most tangible, right? It is the most the one that's the one we can grasp, right? Right. Because we can hear it in our heads. And so the way that a lot of three principles teachers they're not most of them are not coaches, but a lot of three principles teachers would talk and psychologists started using this with their clients and they got really, I mean, 
the thing with the three principles is people, a lot of people dismissed it, but people who started using it in the early days, it was all psychologists and therapists. The results they had with their clients were not just a little bit better. They were unbelievably better than other therapists. So like George Pransky, Dr. George Pransky worked with couples and most relationship counselors and therapists have about a 20% success rate of couples staying together, right? Mm -hmm. Him and his wife, they had an 80% success rate of staying together. Like it's just hugely different. And the 20% who didn't stay together, most of them ended their relationship amicably. Right. right? It was like really, really, really high. Um, And then, you know, they would go into businesses and what, and the the results they were getting were just, just insane. Just really, really good. So how, how can we imagine the difference between that? For example, I mean, all the cognitive um, approaches, all the cognitive schools of thought, uh, they work with thought in some way or another. Um, What, what makes the three principles work so much more powerful? Do you think? For for me, and again, I, I can only really be an expert on me is that it's not about changing your thinking. The principles are a description. They're an understanding. They're not, they're not a, actually a coaching approach, right? Mm-hmm. They're a description of how we create our reality. Now, some people might not agree with that, but let's just go with me for a second. Mm-hmm. If that's true, there are implications of it. So with a lot of cognitive approaches, you know, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, NLP, CBT, it's about being aware of the thoughts and it's about changing the thinking it, it basically right it's on the level of the content what are you thinking about with the principles they don't really um they don't, it's not a cognitive approach it's not about changing your thinking it's about being aware that you are thinking right which sounds mm-hmm. almost too simple and, and that's why i wrote my book right So I wrote a book about this because I realized people weren't getting the implications. And so my book has got all these chapters about different areas of life where there's implications. And I'll tell you one where I get a lot of feedback from, from uh, positive feedback. There's a chapter I wrote on forgiveness. And one of my mentors, three principles mentors really helped me with this when I was telling him, Oh, you know, I'm getting into the three principles and I'm finding myself, finding myself being a lot more forgiving of people. Right as I got a deeper understanding of how my reality was created and it wasn't other people, Mm -hmm. right. But it was, you know, my thinking, um, that was creating my reality. So I started forgiving people and Mm -hmm. he just, and he stopped me in my tracks. He said, why do you need to forgive people? (laughs) And I was like, what? And he's like, well, why do you need to forgive people? And he was like, if the three principles are true, if they're really true, if your experience of life is mind, thought, and consciousness, and that's it, that, that that's the complete formula, right? Then no one can harm you, right? So you don't need to forgive anyone. It's kind of like going beyond, way beyond what, what I'd read about from people like Wayne Dyer and all these other people talking about forgiveness and in spirituality and religion. And it was just like, it was such a mind-blowing moment and I realized he was true because the, the kind of thought process was someone has harmed me. They've done me wrong, but I'm going to be big and magnanimous and I'm going to forgive you, you bad hmm. person for wronging me. I'm going to forgive you. Well, yeah. By your own standards. Right. Right. And yet what the principles are pointing to, if they're really true, the implications of that are that there's nothing to forgive. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to forgive. 
And it really frees us. It really frees us from being victims anywhere in our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how does this work with coaching? Well, if you have that as a foundation point and that understanding of how life works, well, I've still got a coach. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to listen all the stuff a coach would do, but it's kind of like, I've already got the answers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what would happen is I would start coaching people and they would bring a problem or a challenge, but knowing what I know about the principles, I could ask questions, particular questions where I would help them see this for themselves. Right. Right. Essentially, there aren't any wrongs then if I like, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, like for, um, I get that, you know, why would you need to forgive anybody? But right. if I try to translate this to like a tangible coaching scenario, um, I don't know, somebody got fired because somebody else screwed up and that person was just clever, more clever politically. And, right. uh, you know, you lost your job because of what that other person has done. Right. Um, how like if i hear you speak then it sounds like there isn't any right or wrong really there just is you know i get this sense from like meditation when you sit with something you kind of just acknowledge that things happen they're not necessarily good or evil they're not necessarily right or wrong um yeah i mean you you can you can have preferences but so let me let me look at this from a traditional coaching or, or kind of what i've been taught at coaching right? And, and looking at some kind of coaching distinctions, you know, there's so many ways you could go coach someone around that looking at owner versus victim, right? It's much more empowering to look at it through the lens of ownership than, mm -hmm. than victimhood of being wrong. You, you could look at it of what did you, how did you let that happen, right? Rather than blaming mm -hmm. someone again through this ownership thing mm -hmm. of why were you not smart political and not again, blaming, but help empowering people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, this approach really aligns with that. And I'm not saying, oh, anyone can do, you know, in Sydney banks, you say, there's just, you know, it's using common sense. If someone's harming you, it doesn't mean you have to let them harm you. You, you can move out of the way, right? You can, mm -hmm. because just because, you know, you don't need to forget, you know, um, your experience of life is coming from your own thinking. That doesn't preclude you from using common sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it is spiritual at its core and you can help people. Like I helped um, a CEO who was really struggling with the, the founders of the organization he was CEO of. And in his mind, you know, he's like, well, they don't give me um, positive feedback, right? They don't. And, and I need it. I've done my um, psychometric testing and it shows that I, I need this and they're not giving it to me. And his mm -hmm. coach was helping him with like how to get that and giving him techniques and strategies and tips for getting that. And what I was able to kind of coach him around and, and question him and help him see things was what if he didn't need that? Because he, because mm -hmm. this is the thing, I've got the answers. I know he doesn't need mm -hmm. it. When he has a belief and a belief is a thought you've held on to mm -hmm. that he needs positive affirmation from a boss to feel valued at work. And, and if he doesn't have that, he's going to feel demotivated and devalued. Then he's going to, then he's going to cling for techniques or strategies, or he's going to go somewhere else. Right. Whereas when, when, and we only had a few conversations, I helped him see that that was just a belief. That wasn't, that's not fact. That's not a law of the universe that he needs that. It looks like it is to him, but he doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily tell him that. Well, there might be a little bit of that, but it's like helping him see that right. through coaching. It changed his whole world, like just right. literally completely changed his world. Right. So this is the change from the inside out. This is a, a spiritual uh, mindset transformation uh, of sorts where you start to see yourself and the world differently. And from that, uh, the behavior changes and the thoughts change. Is that, do I get, right. get that and right? You know what? Some people, I don't even need to mention the three principles. Often I don't. I don't need to mention this understanding. It's, it's just like my, you know, my foundation piece, right? It's mm-hmm. like, If you were a boxing coach, right, you might have had, I don't know, let's say you're an old school boxing coach mm-hmm. and you've been around for decades. So you know all this information. And let's say you're training a boxer. You don't need to tell him all the things, but using all that knowledge and experience and your foundational understanding of boxing, mm-hmm. you'll coach your boxer to do certain things. Hey, we're going to work on your right hook. We're going to, I don't know right, we're going to have you do this particular thing. We're going to actually have you slim down for this fight. Or we're going to have you bulk up, whatever makes sense. But he doesn't need to, to teach everything. And it's in the same way I see for coaching. It's like, for me, my, the three principles is my foundation piece. Mm-hmm. And the more I seem to understand that, just the more effective I become as a coach. Right. Right. So this is not a set of techniques or methodologies. This is a, a mindset that you have. This is an attitude that you bring in towards life and towards people in the way that you relate to life and people. Yeah. It's not, it's more than a mindset and attitude. It's, it's, it's a truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that can sound very arrogant almost, but, and I don't say to anyone, believe me, because it can sound a bit cult like mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I, I didn't believe this stuff. I'm just like, go and explore it for yourself. And so, you know, again, with, like with my book, it was like, and everything I talk about, it's like, this is my experience and this is my truth, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's so based truth, on... Truth as in, this is true for me rather than this is the universal truth. Well, this is what I was going to say. I believe it. this is a universal truth, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not going to impose that on anyone. I can only with confidence talk about this as my personal yeah. truth, small t. Yeah. So how right. do you how do you work with people who uh, reject it? You know, because then you know it's a strange position to be in if you know our clients don't see the world as it is true. You know, they don't see the universal laws mm-hmm. when that would help them so much. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be so tempted to want to show them the light? You know, or teach them? Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the skill of coaching. That's what we have to learn, right? Like, I'm not here as an evangelist. I'm not here to impose my beliefs or anything on anyone. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I would just ask questions. So for example, you know, if someone was really mad at someone else in their life, right. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I know and what I've seen about forgiveness, I might say, I might ask them, do you need to forgive them? That might be a, a coaching question I could ask. Do you need to forgive this person? Um, I'm not sounds, saying anything. Sounds kind of leading. <laughs> right. I'm okay with that, uh-huh. but it's, but, but it, but it's not right. Because they, they might, I don't know what they're going to say. They're going to say yes. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm not in a position to forgive them. Uh-huh. I just ask questions right. that I, I ask closed questions. I asked open questions. I asked what might be considered leading or not. Uh-huh. I just go and I'm always surprised because I don't know what the client's going to say Yeah, and they will come up. Sometimes I'll just be asking an innocuous question And the client will have like, oh my God, I know what you're pointing to. And I'm like, 
what am I praying to? I don't know. And <laughs> yeah. they'll see something for themselves. Sometimes they'll see something even deeper than whatever I see. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, um, and, and it, you know, I just go there. So for me, if this is like a, a universal truth, right. If I ask enough questions and they, and because they think differently, I'm going to end up poking holes in, in that, and which is what would happen to me, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when I would talk to someone like, yeah, okay, I, there's three principles, but, right? And there'd be an exception. <laughs> but my manager, and I've written about this, my manager, he acts in this way and this really makes me feel angry. So while I was still mm-hmm. learning this stuff in the early days, I was working a corporate job and I didn't get on with my manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was getting mentored by by a three principles um, teacher and to me, it just looked like the way he acted was cool. You can say what you want, but no, his actions caused me to feel bad. Hmm. And my teacher just kept poking, right? And kept prodding and, and, and having me, well, do you always feel that way? Why do some days you feel different? And some days it's not that bad, mm-hmm. right? Like if he poked enough holes in it, I'm like, well, God, maybe, maybe I don't have a leg to stand on, <laughs> right? And I started to, to that, that belief and reality I was looking at started to crumble to a point where I, where I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that anymore. I was like, no, it's not him. It can't be him. If it is him, then my reality would be different. And it looks like it's him, but that can't be it. Hmm. And, and it did. And it shifted my whole relationship with him. And we didn't become best friends, but you know, our work relationship just got a million times better because it was just getting worse because of what I was believing to be true, which, mm-hmm. which wasn't true. Right. And, and so, you know, and I do that with clients now, having said that sometimes do I speak to people who don't get value out of what I'm saying or don't vibe with it or whatever? Sure. Just like any coach. And if people don't get value out of it, well, why would I want to coach them? And, I, and I'm not, you know, I say this to coaches all the time, you know, if we're working one-on-one with people, we've got a really limited number of people we can speak to. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I see that like over the, if I'm doing this for the next 30 years, I'm only going to talk to a few hundred people, max, like tops, tops, tops out of what, 7 billion on the planet, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's cool. You know, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I always say you don't need to push against a closed door. You don't need to shine your light where it's not wanted. Um, and, and people who, who resonate, resonate, Yeah, you know? Um, and, um, and it, and it seems to be helping people. And, and I've always said, if, if I find something that would help people more, I'm, I'm going to that. I'm not attached to yeah. any particular approach. And I learn from so many different things even now, but it has been now for a very long time that yeah. the three principles has been my foundation piece mm-hmm. because I just, I haven't found anything else that has helped me as much or helped my clients as much. Yeah. And I think it's quite important that, coaches get more clear on what sits at the foundation of their being a coach, you know, and their work. Um, you know, my, my philosophical foundation is existential and that really helped me mm-hmm. to see my truth in terms of how I relate to the world and existence and other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's a really important step for coaches, uh, as they mature because it just makes us so much more solid, in our foundations. And I think clients pick up on that. 
So I'd, I'd love to take that as a transition to talk a bit more, more about the business side, because I know you do a lot of uh, mentoring, um, you offer your own apprenticeships, you worked with a lot of coaches. Uh, one thing you wrote on your website is that in, in 2012, you started, you trained as a coach and then kind of immediately uh, worked with people around the world and people in quite, uh, quite high positions, uh, quite senior positions. So um Given the, you talked a lot about working with the clients that want to work with you and creating that connection, creating those conversations. So I'm sure I know a lot of coaches are sitting out there, not just wondering about you specifically, but wondering in general, how do I work with my kind of client and how do I place those messages out there? How do I create mm. a situation or a scenario where people get me or they resonate with what I'm about and they would want to work with me? How, how do you get to that point? And how did you get to that point so quickly? Yeah. Well, it, it, maybe my, and I didn't mean it to, but I, you know, that's maybe not, that's not exactly what happened. That's not what I tried to get across on my website perhaps, but um You know, when I started out, I was just coaching anyone and everyone. And, and there were some people, senior people. I coached my boss. I coached my boss's boss. Um, How? You know, um, I just asked them. <laughs> What did you say? So I, I had, a, I had a, um, a real good reputation in my company. I'd been there for a long time. I, I was a good worker. And so when I decided to get into coaching, you know, I told my boss, I had a really good relationship with him. I didn't hide it from him. I said, hey, I'm doing this coaching thing. I'm thinking about a career change. And he was fine with it, you know? And um, so I go and do the training and I told my boss, his boss I had a very good relationship with him as well. You know, not everyone does, but I did. Mm -hmm. And so when I come back, I'm like, hey, do you want to hear about what I learned about? And they knew how much money I'd paid, you know, thousands of pounds. Um, and so they were, they were like, okay, let's have a conversation. And so my boss's boss, he was like, all right. And he was actually concerned. He thought I was really... Um, you know, spending money on the wrong thing. He actually tried to counsel me out of it. And when I came back and I was sharing stuff with him, he was like, oh, okay, now it sounds like this is legit. You know, this is... This Where is did you train? Um, with, with Jamie, right? With oh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Smart. Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, so I started sharing things with him and he's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And, you know, articles I'd get and things that Jamie would reference, I, I'd share with him. And he, he, like he and I would just talk anyway. So I, I coached him for one or two sessions. And then I asked my boss, can I coach you? And he said, yes, so I coached him only for a couple of sessions. Um, but I just kept asking. And then he said, well, do you want to coach the team? And I went, yeah. And then I did a training for them and I actually moved jobs, but he was saying, look, one day a week, you can do this if you want. And that was a combination of, again, I was very valued as, as a member of staff. I was, um, I'd been there for a long time, about, about seven years. Um, and um, so that helped. But, but also they, they could start seeing the changes in me. So when I started learning about these three principles, I completely changed as an employee, like, Completely. I was a good employee, but I went to not just a really good, I went to like absolutely fantastic employee. I, I couldn't get through the work quick enough. I was just, I was just unbelievably good. And my boss even said to me, because I started learning about the principles in September and you have your year end review in like end of November. And he said, look, I'm going to give you this rating, which kind of reflects the year. But if you had done the whole year, like you've done the last two months, not only would you be at a level above this, 
you'd be a level above that, which they kind of give to maybe one person in the entire company of 5,000 people. Like that's the level I started operating at. Mm. And so that, that carried a lot of, you know, weight, you know, when I, so I said, Hey, I'm learning something. And they're like, yeah, we can see something's changing in you. Wow. Um, so that, that's how that kind of happened. But yeah, I was just, I was just asking anyone and everyone, you know, like I wanted to just get as much experience as I could. And some of my early clients weren't, you know, powerful people or rich people, or they were just students or. Um, How'd you start that kind of conversation? How would you get into those kind of conversations? You know what? I, I just was like, you know, it was, it was as simple as people who I knew, Hey, I'm, I'm training to be a coach. Um, would you like to hear this audio um, that I've got from my coach, I think it would be relevant for your situation. Let's say they shared something with me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm coaching. Would you like to, do you want to, do you want to have a coaching conversation? Cause what you just shared with me or what you post online or whatever, like it might be helpful. And people were really open. In fact, the hardest thing for me was actually being willing to do that because I was so afraid to tell people I was a coach because of, of them judging me. That's what held me back at the beginning. But as soon as that went out the window, uh, I mean, I, even now I find it amazingly simple to get into coaching calls with people. I know coaches seem to struggle with it, but often it's as simple as just offering it. And even now some people will not want to take it up. I don't care. It's not, it's not a big deal, Mm -hmm. but if you offer coaching calls, like offering to help, you know, it's like, um, if you saw someone, one of your friends who was changing the tire of his car, you'd say, Hey, do you you want a hand with that? Mm -hmm. And then I'd say, no, I'm good, dude. I've got it. Or, um, yeah, yeah. Do you mind just grabbing that wrench or whatever, you know, like, can you just hold this wheel or I don't know, whatever they would say. So yeah. it, I see it in the same way. Like, would you like some help? Yeah. It's not that hard. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess the step where a lot of coaches struggle is to make that transition from having a helpful conversation to asking for money in return. You know, how do you create that transition? I don't. That, that that's the key thing actually. And that's a really good question because I don't, I used to, I used to do that transition and it is, it's awkward. I don't do that anymore. Right. And that's one of the really great things Steve taught me. In fact, he, he challenged me a few years ago, many years ago. He said, I want you to basically stop making proposals for the next month. And I was okay. like, what? and he's like, just, <laughs> and I was like, re- and I was like, oh, I'm just getting my groove on. I'm starting signing up clients. Like I have a, a system that seems to work with work for me. And he was like, no, just stop making proposals. And so I did it for a month and I was two things. I was shit scared. One. Um, secondly, um, it really helped. It made me, it forced me to up my game. So I remember talking to someone and I'm like, I've got him to a point. I feel really confident. If I make a proposal, I could sign him up, but I wasn't allowed. I was doing this mm-hmm. game that my coach gave me. So I was just like, are we complete? Yeah, we're complete. Okay. Bye. Put the phone down. Then he messages me. Can we have another conversation? Sure. We have a second conversation. I'm not allowed to make a proposal at the end of it. Are we complete yet? Put a phone down. And so I was like, man, if I do this for the entire month, I'm not going to make any money. So it forced me to, to really be of service because I had to get to the state where they were asking me. And even now I would say 95%, maybe, I don't know, like it's a rare exception that I make a proposal to someone before they say, right, Ankush, what's it going to cost for us to work together? Right? Because I've served them enough so powerfully that they they want more of it. And I'm happy to have one, two, 
sometimes not always, but sometimes three conversation with someone, hmm. it, it, you know, but also my coaching isn't one way, right? Like it's, it's a two way thing. So this is the other part of it. I'm not just giving stuff away and hoping someone's going to say, Hey, can we work together? Coaching is 50, 50 relationship. It's in my opinion, it's an active thing. So if I have a conversation with someone, I want to see how open are they? What are they giving? I'm going to probably give them homework, right? Right. Can we make an agreement? You're going to do this before we speak again. Or will you, will you do this? Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. If they don't do it, well, I'm not going to give them another conversation, right? They're, they're not, they're not ready. But so, but if they are engaging with me, we're, we're now coaching. And if my coaching is any good, if they're engaging and we're acting like we're already being paid clients, it's going to be really helpful for them. Right. And so at some point they're going to just say, right, like, like, right. What does this cost? I want to do this. Right. But right. they might've had three sessions and you didn't chart them. Uh, what if somebody gets used to it? You know, what if so after, after three sessions, we're done. Like, uh, you know, what, what I might say after the third session is like at the end of every session, I'll just say, so are we complete? Right. So at the end of the third session at, at most, right. Which is more than enough time for someone to experience me. Often I don't even need three sessions. Um, and sometimes if I speak to someone after two sessions, I just feel like we're done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And so whatever point I feel, I'll just say, so are we complete? And if they say yes, okay, you know where I am. It's been great talking to you. Goodbye. Phone down. Mm -hmm. I'm on on to the next thing. Um, If they say, can we have another session after the third one? What what do you you say? Well, well, I would just say, well, you know, these are my fees. You know, you've had a good experience of me now. We've had three sessions. If you'd like to continue further, would would you like to know what it costs to continue to continue the coaching yeah. they'll either say yes or no if they say no bye if they say yes <laughs> this right. is my my range of there's no weirdness for me it's like this is what yeah. it is and people understand they understand i do this full time yeah. i do this for a profession people are smart you know that yeah. i would say mo- i've not had it where people in my experience you know take the piss with mm-hmm. with that in, in my experience. And yeah. that's also down to the way I am. You know, I'm very professional how I show up. Like I said, the way they're engaging with me, you can't do it passively. Yeah. Right. Right. So if we're getting to that third conversation, they've, they've been listening to stuff. They've been reading stuff. They've been, you know, testing stuff out. Like it's changing them. And so then they, they can make a real easy decision because they've experienced me, right? Yes mm-hmm. or no. And it might be no for now. Like I had recently with the guys like, I really want to do this, found out my fees. I just can't do that right now. I'm good. Like it's cool. And so many times people come, I've had people come back to me after four years. Hey, four years ago we spoke. It was a really impactful conversation. I wasn't in a position to hire you, but I've cleared off my debt. I've had, I've been promoted and I've been thinking for four years when I make some more money, I want to hire you. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's go. It happens all the time. There are people right now who I've spoken to in years gone by that I've completely forgotten about who will at some point contact me and say, Ankush, are you available? Do you have space take on another coaching client? Right. Right. So there's no, there's no weirdness for me whatsoever. And you know, I'm, I'm Yannick, I'm busy. I got to the stage <laughs> last year where I, I just had to like, 
I didn't want, I, re, I was over full. I actually took on too many clients and I was really happy when clients weren't renewing. It's a different, it's a different way of being, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, I get and, that. And it's, and it's all good. And like Steve told me this as well, like you get to a certain stage as a coach where like, I know this, I don't need to create 15 new clients every year, right? Because I know most of mine are going to renew. Right, like a big portion are going to renew. And I want some of them not to renew because then I like working with new people. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no um, neediness or anything from my side because when, I, when I'm working with someone, it's like I'm working with them. I'm being as helpful as I can. It's normally really helpful for them. Either they're going to continue or they're not. Mm-hmm. If they do, great. We get to do more great work and build our relationship and help them even more. And if they don't, great. They can go out and implement what we've done and I've got a space for someone else. Yeah. And, and that, that always gets taken, you know? And a lot of coaches think, well, it's easy for you, Ankush, because you're established, but they don't realize to, to get to this place, that's how you've got to be. Like I, I speak to coaches. I remember speaking to one coach a few years ago and she's like, oh, you know, it's easy for you to go into service and it's easy for you to be this way because, you know, your, your practice is full. And I went, no, this is why my practice is full. It's not the other way around. And and that's what happened for me. You know, when Steve said to me, stop making proposals, it wasn't because I was inundated with clients. I mean, I was doing okay, but he, he, he knew that was the next stage for me. He, he could see that. Um, and, you know, doing that again and again, I, I learn, I learn, I don't offer coach. Like sometimes people will reach out to me and say, can we talk? I don't say yes. You, there's, there's nowhere on my website where you can have a conversation with me, book in a discovery call. No, don't have that. I had someone reach out to me recently. I actually have this all the time. People reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm looking for a coach. Can we talk? I've, I screen first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, tell me what you want to talk about and why, why now? What's if I've spoken to them before, what's changed, what's new. And if, if they're not going to engage with me at that stage, right. Mm-hmm. This is by email though. Yeah, even via email. Was there a questionnaire or a particular no, it's, screening it's, process you're using? No, it's just all live. It, you know, mm. I don't have a set question or anything. I, I might just say, what would you love to... It might be as simple as, tell me what's going on in your world and what would you love to get out of coaching? It might mm. be as simple as that. Some people don't respond to that email, mm-hmm. right? If they don't respond to that email, I'm not going to chase them. Yeah. Because if I did, and I, and that's not arrogance, it's like it's not best use of my time because I'm going to be engaging with someone who doesn't, who's not really wanting the coaching. Like they want a babysitter. They don't want me. And there's other coaches, you know, and and here's the other thing. I often speak to people. And if, if they say, look, we can't afford you, I'll be like, great. I know so many coaches. If it really is a budget issue, Mm -hmm. right. Here's three people you can go to. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do this on purpose, but what started happening in a few years ago when I started doing this, and this wasn't the reason to do it, it wasn't a technique. I was genuinely trying to help people. Half the people would come back and say, we found the money. Whether we're like adamant, we don't have money, we can't hire you, no problem. Here, go and hire John. He's a great coach. He's not me, but in your budget, th- this person can really help you and it will be a great investment. And I'm really like, I genuinely Genuine, mean yeah, it. Yeah, um, and yeah. People want to work time, with you. <laughs> people right, want to work the with the people that they talk to. And, and mm-hmm. it's again, it's not a technique because sometimes they will go and hire John. Like I've got coaches yeah. I've referred loads of clients to and, and they, they, they do, they go and work with that coach. And I'm really happy for that because I'm happy yeah. for the client getting helped. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of the time, 
weirdly, and like I said, it surprised me. They'll they'll come back and say, do you know what? I've got this pot of money or, you know, I spoke to my wife or, you know, some, something will happen and they'll say, um, no, I, I want to work with you. Okay. That's, that's really good stuff. Um, I want to honor your time. Um, and we, we said we're going to uh, switch to the kind of last set of questions that I always ask all of my guests who have some kind of continuity about it. Uh, you know, I'm sure we could talk about this a lot more, but I, I think there's a lot on the table now and I'm, I'm sure uh, people who are listening to this are going to really appreciate it. So thank you for sharing that with, uh, with us. Um, so uh, round off, well, quick fire questions I say, but like, feel free to take as much or as little time as you want with these. Um, feel free to think about them. Um, uh, you know, uh, feel free to say next. Um, but they're just, just some interesting ones. And it's always interesting to see how different answers come out. So, uh, firstly, you mentioned a couple of books already. Uh, you mentioned some people as well, but are there, are there some other books or people that had a significant impact on, on your coaching, on your work? Yeah, the the one recently. So th there's a few. So um, I'm currently reading um, the the Way of Mastery, um, which I know Steve Hardison recommends, and I wasn't really intrigued by that book, but because he recommended it, I I started reading it, and I'm was that really like? early on in it. it. It's um it's by the Shanti Christo Foundation. Um, it's a very spiritual book. It talks a lot about Christ, but if you can get past the, the, the religious um, part of it, that book is every page is incredibly impactful and I'm reading it slowly at the moment. So um, I'm amazed at how impactful it was. And um, I don't know if I've changed because I listened to the audio lessons about an hour of it uh, a couple of years ago and I didn't really get anything out of it. Huh. And then reading the book um, recently, I'm just like, wow, like I, I could write, a whole load of words for every page that I read in that book. Like every page is not necessarily a book, but every page of that book is like filled with wisdom. So that was, that was incredibly powerful for me. Um, last year I also read, um, uh, got what, what's it called? Um, a, a Barbara Stanny uh, book about money. Was, uh, um, overcoming overcoming underlearning, which I'd heard about for years and never read it, never interested uh and my coach bought it for me i was like oh my god why did not not read this years ago i've bought that so many copies it's probably the most impactful book that i've read in the for forever like for a long 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 time that really mm. hit me but you've got to do it properly you've got to do the exercises it, it flagged up a lot for me that was an incredibly powerful book um and i know your um podcast is for coaches so like i mean i don't know if you can see but you know all these books here on this row here pretty much are like Steve Chandler books. Oh, right. Um, wow. Um, so all these here are Steve. Some of those down there are Steve. I've got his new book, How to Get Clients, which is amazing. For those who are um, listening there, there must be around, what, 30, 20, 30 books there? Yeah, like um, so many. Uh, he repeats himself a lot in his books, but I have rarely come across a Steve Chandler book that I wouldn't recommend to someone. Hmm. You know, so many books I've, and you know, yes, he's my coach. I get a lot of Steve and still his books are fantastic. They are excellent. Mm -hmm. And I um, buy them for my coaching clients who are coaches all the time. I think they're so, so, so good, um, both on the business of coaching, but also 
you know, be, being a powerful coach. So anything by Steve is fantastic. Um, Amir Karkouti has got a great book called Lessons from My Coach, which talks about his um, experience with Rich Litvin, which is excellent. Um I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't read as much as other coaches. Plenty. I think there's but, plenty uh, there. I think that will keep coaches busy for a few years. The, the, <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say this, like, read. You know, like, if you're a coach, I'm, I'm looking around, like, I, I really don't read that much. I see, you know, like, some coaches will read a book in two days. I take my time, but I go through books, and, and I get so much out of books. Like uh, so many times I'll be talking to a client and a book will pop up in my head. That's so relevant to what they're going uh, through. So yeah, read, 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 uh, read, read. There was a question I forgot to ask and I really wanted to ask it, um, which was, is there something, if anything, is there something that you disagree on with uh, Steve? Because what I've I noticed a bit of a trend of the people who have been working with Steve or who come through that kind of school, uh, that um, you know, they they basically uh, they, they seem to have the same stuff going that Steve teaches. You know, it's just kind mm -hmm. of getting passed down, and maybe it's just that good. You know, but I'm 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 looking for I'm always looking for people to kind of disagree with the people who taught them and then develop in a somewhat different direction. So I wonder if there is anything or if it's just something you took on because it just fits. Well, you know what I spoke to um Carolyn Freya Jones, who's an amazing coach. She's who's, awesome. Who's worked with Steve for what 14, 15 years or something. Mm -hmm. And I loved what she said. She said, there's a lot of Steve in me and I'm not Steve. And, and maybe I've got that good fortune, you know, kind of being in that circle, if you like that, you know, I know a lot of Steve clients, Gary Moller, Devin Banderson, Karen Davis, um, Carolyn Freya Jones, Melissa Ford, you know, there's, there's a bunch, bunch of us um, who've worked with him for a long time. And yes, there's a lot of Steve in all of us because, you know, he's been very, very impactful but we're all different. Like of, of the people who work with him closely in his inner circle, um, you know, he, I'm, I'm the only one I, I think who's like really three P based, three principles based. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know one or two others have started looking that direction. have got some understanding of it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Carolyn Freya Jones relies a lot on Nancy Klein's work and she comes at things from a different position she she did a lot of work with um usm and university of Sta santa monica mm -hmm. so you know everyone's different but you know you if you work with someone for a long time of course you're going to be him. impacted by him but i remember in the early days like i used to disagree with a lot of what he said you know mm. um and i think sometimes that's part of you know building you know your coaching practice i say this to my clients or coaches especially who are early on in their practice i'm like You don't know what's going to work. I don't know what's going to work, but together we'll, we'll try out stuff mm -hmm. because you don't know. And Steve didn't know. So um, there's always that. But, but again, in, in, in conversations, sometimes I remember him saying something to me about a client of mine who had hired me. And then she kept, what she kept doing was hiring marketers. Um, and so She said, I'm going to go to this thing. It's free. Don't worry. I'm not going to hire them. I'm just going to go. And what happened was she comes back and she goes, uh, I did it again. I've signed up to this really expensive training for a year. And da, 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 da. And Steve just said to me, look, don't, don't tell the client that they're wrong. You know, you, you don't want to do that. Just 
tell her that you know she, you think she could also do your thing and and i listened to her and i wrote it down and i went and afterwards i thought no i'm gonna tell her that she's wrong mm. i had that rapport with her i had that relationship i just it felt right and and i i told her i said look you know one of the things we've been coaching about is you keep doing this and and you've done it again and she was going to lose like a thousand dollars to pull out of this thing and i'm like i'm not going to tell you what to do but i'm also not going to not say anything about it that this is a pattern that we've been coaching around and, and it was a delicate conversation and um you know i told steve about it and steve went you know what i wouldn't normally tell people to do that because it's so tricky but he goes yeah you you've you've done an advanced advanced thing you but it made sense for you in that moment right. and there've been other times like that where i had another client who was in this real sticky situation and steve was like look you don't want to touch that you want to stay out of it and i kind of stayed out of it and i stayed out of it and i stayed out of it and in the end i just went i'm just i, I, I just my wisdom my gut just went just say this to him and get involved Uh, and i did and it was exactly the right thing to do so um yeah you know i i'm i'm still doing me all the time mm-hmm. and you know steve is wonderful i have learned so much from him i keep learning so much from him and i still i'm still me you know i still have yeah. to do it my way and my my business is my business my values are my values not not that they um at odds with steve but you know i have I have preferences. I like doing things in a certain way. Um and I really like what Carolyn says. I think it's so true. There's a lot of Steve in me. And I'm not Steve. I'm definitely not Steve. And um I'm, I'm uh, very different in many ways. Yeah. Thank you. Um there's a lot of coaches out there. Um you know, a lot of coaches out there are amazing doing amazing work, but there's also a lot of coaches out there who do quite dodgy work with very little training going mm. very far doing work with vulnerable people that really puts them at risk and it always begs the question given that it's a completely unregulated profession should it be more regulated or do you, what do you think about regulation you know it's a, it's hard one right it's a catch 22 because actually mm. i used to think that and there are moments when i think that and um part of what makes coaching so so wonderful is that it is unregulated mm-hmm. right because you know like like you like Steve Hardison right like uh, if people have heard the story he he juiced the two he was an NFL linebacker comes to his office and he in some ways he physically assaults him you could say like he yeah you grabs can say him. That. i mean he asked for permission can i touch you he said yeah and he grabs him and he throws him onto the chair and um it, there's a video on you can google it tbolit nfl um i don't remember the warning in that video yeah and um <laughs> the permission yeah. well, he did he he said he says can i touch you and he, and uh, i th- i think anyway and um the video is the reacting what happens and the guy in the video is a guy called chris doris who's a buddy of mine and chris tells me like it really hurt when he did it in the video right and um now if it was a regulated profession like stuff that that he does would would fall out of that right mm-hmm. um he's he, steve chandler he tells me stuff. story like he smashed a window he's baptized him in his swimming pool <laughs> oh um i mean uh, jp morgan he got him in a headlock and was choking him out um but you know it's all from love and it, and it i i love that i love that this mm-hmm. profession is so creative and look you know it is you know there is some some 
some some things that are like a bit dodgy and and I, I hear of stuff which makes me cringe sometimes about the lack of professionalism, but I, I don't know if regulation would actually change that. Like, mm. like, when, when I, like, would it actually solve it? I don't think so. It would just be called something different than coaching. Well, either that, those people or, would still be operating or either that, or if someone's vulnerable, like, would they know to go and complain? Like, you know, um, I'm sure that you know, I've heard stories of therapists mm. saying stuff to, to their clients. Oh my God. Yeah. Which is really unhelpful to them. Yeah. Really unhelpful. I, 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 I've worked with a guy and I'm not a therapist who had some real particular issue in this therapy. said, this is the worst case of so-and-so that I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the most of it. And then that was stuck in the guy's head that like, this is, this is the worst thing. This is, this is really bad. I'm never going to recover. And so it could be argued that's not helpful at yeah. all, but I'm sure that therapist has done good for his clients over the years. And would, would coaching being regulated help? I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing we can do, and I love this profession is I really try and encourage coaches to be better coaches. Mm-hmm. I really want other coaches to succeed. And I think if the bar keeps getting raised by all coaches, Right, like the more Steve Chandler's and Carolyn Freya Joneses and Steve Hardison's and those kind of people and Chris Doris and the more really great coaches there are in the world, as far as I'm concerned, right? And the bar gets raised, then the coaches that aren't that good, they they'll just get weeded out, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm I'm really passionate about about raising the bar for everyone, including myself. You know, I think, you know, like they say, a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Right. Somebody asks you what the difference between coaching and therapy is, and you have a limited amount of time to explain it to them, let's say. Uh, Where where would you, how would you describe the difference or how would you draw the line if Mm. there is one? it's a real mass generalization and maybe it's not a hundred percent true, but my, my kind of broad brush explanation is the therapy is really helping a client come to terms with something that's happened in the past. That's generally what therapy does. Something's happened and they go to therapy to try and deal with that situation. And coaching is about creating the future. So Mm -hmm. it may look at the past and say, well, that's happened, but it's like, okay, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to create? You know, so it, it, to me, it's that simple. And if you want a quick example, it's like if someone comes to a, to a therapist around, you know, some bad relationship they had, it's like, well, let's help you deal with all these bad relationships you've had. You go to a coach, it's like, well, you've had bad relationships. What do you want to create? Let's help you create a great relationship in the future. Mm-hmm. So I, I just look at it in that way, in a very simplistic, easy way. Gotcha. Um, any notable trends you see in the coaching industry at the moment? or towards the future? You know what? I don't really pay too much attention. People ask me all the time, do you know this coach? You know that coach? You know, I, I, I really don't. I don't, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I just do my thing and I follow my path and it just seems to work for me. Um, and it's funny, like people sometimes come across me in the UK and they're like, we've never heard of you. And then they come across me they're like, wow, you've got all this content, you're doing all this thing. And I kind of like that. I kind of just like doing my own thing. So I've been following my own path from day one and following my own gut and wisdom. And I don't know, I, I don't really stay too much in, in touch with what's going out there in the world. I, I, I hear that, you know, coaches are really struggling um, to, to create clients and grow their businesses. 
that was the case when I started in 2012. It seems to be getting worse from what I hear, more coaches being qualified and they still don't know how to do it. But that's the only trend I can think of that I hear. Is it true? I don't know. That's what I hear. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my best answer to that. Fair play. Um, what's your, what's your most memorable client? Like somebody who really stuck with you. There's so many. I mean, the, the memorable ones are the ones that are a bit strange that I, that in a weird way, the ones that are memorable is not a, maybe a good indication of what I do. So I, sometimes I'll tell these stories and I'm like, that's not what I do. That's just memorable because it's different. <laughs> so like I had a client who came to me about leadership coaching, but I was coaching him in a group program. And I said, what are you most fr- afraid to bring into the room? And he said, well, I'm reluctant to tell you that. I have a very low sex drive and um, my, you know, my wife and I might split up because I, I, I'm just, I just don't, I don't satisfy her. I'm not, I'm not that interested in sex. And then as soon as I asked the question, I was like, as soon as he answered, I was like, why did I ask that? I'm not a sex coach. I don't know what to do, but I coached him and, and it changed his whole life and it, it changes sex life and it permanently, you know, I spoke to him years later, it's changed. So that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Another guy was stabbed by his ex-girlfriend 14 times, nearly killed him. And it led, and I didn't know this before he came again to a group program that I was doing. I didn't know this. And that's why he was really overweight. I didn't know he was using prostitutes. He was using drugs. If I'd known all this stuff, I probably would have referred him to a psychologist. And again, his, his whole life changed. He lost a ton of weight again, through seeing how he was creating a certain reality, mm-hmm. um, got married, you know, and, and, and the client who referred him was just like, you, you know, that guy, wow, just completely changed. So I have like real cool, amazing um, <laughs> things like that, that, that happen. And, you know, they're always clients where they get really, really powerfully impacted. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say there's, there's one that, you know, it's just sometimes it's cool stuff that happens. Yeah. yeah, I'm always thinking about how to ask that question because the most notable, well, how do you make that decision? A, very notable, but I think I got exactly what I wanted to hear. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, when's the last time you had to stop working with a client? Whether that's, a, you know, just saying, I don't think we can continue or referring them to somebody else. Well, it, there's two different things. So stop working with a client um, where, where I've said, I don't think we can continue. Um, and that, that was like a long time, like probably like my second year of coaching, you know, like, um, where that happened, where I, where I refunded someone's, someone's money. Uh, when was that? Probably in 2014. Um, well, I was just working with this person. I was, I was new. Um, I, I hadn't even been coaching for two years, maybe less than a year and a half even. And I was probably a bit excited. I didn't do what I did earlier. I kind of made a proposal. I signed them up and I signed them up too soon and they didn't really get value. And so mm. we had a few sessions left. And I went, look, we can continue, but I don't think you're getting anything out of it. Would you like me to refund you for the sessions you haven't used? And he went, yeah. And I went, great. Um, but I learned a lot from that because then it really helped me slow down before mm-hmm. signing someone up. Um, now, in, now, the other thing is, how, when was the last time I referred someone to someone else? all the time like it's a regular occurrence you know like in in the middle of the of the relationship no, normally at the start so yeah, I'm not at the start, you know so if i'm talking to someone 
Hey, I'll refer. Sometimes I have people contact me. Hey, I'm looking for a coach. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm struggling with my daughter or my f- best friend struggling with their son. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know two great coaches who work yeah. with teenagers or, or and yeah. parents. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I'm more interested in the, you know, you already started working with somebody, and I noticed a hesitance from coaches to, you know, once they're already in it, to then actually stop because it's not serving them or there might be somebody else who's going to serve them much better that doesn't already happen too you. much that doesn't happen too much with me because it because i i'm so careful about who i work with right right and so look sometimes i work with someone and i'm like i, I think once we finish this set of coaching sessions then we're complete but rarely does it happen where like i'm in the middle of it and i'm like um You know, I want to stop and, you know, that, that means I've definitely rushed too quickly and mm. my gut's pretty good on these things. So if I'm not sure, I'll like, I will yeah. take a bit longer. Um, and, and it's the same with, with renewals, you know? Um, and, and typically what happens is if I'm not feeling it, often they don't ask for a renewal. And so it's a non-issue, mm-hmm. you right. know? Um, but if they did, I would just say, well, you know what, um, let, let's take a bit of time out or uh, we, we would talk about it. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen where, like I had a client I coached and he was like, I fire clients all the time. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And he goes, it works really well. because then they come back and say, no, no, I'll work. And then they increase their commitment. And I said, well, you can do that. That's one option. Or you can just make it really clear up front your agreements, because if you're having to fire people, you know, that, that means there's something wrong on the front end. And I always mm. see, see this, that where things like that happen, it's like you don't have a strong enough agreement with your client. And I spent a long time, I spend like an hour, sometimes longer with a new coaching client going through our coaching agreement on the very first call, because I don't want to have these issues down the road. It's, it's mm-hmm. a pain. And I'll say to them, look, even if they will have paid at that stage, I'll say, I'll refund you all your money, you know, and it might be tens of thousands of pounds. I'm like, I'll refund it all. This is the agreement and we, we can agree on it. And, you know, if you want to change something, ask, but if we can't, and this doesn't work, I'll give you your money back. And I've learned again, that lesson the hard way, because every time I had a, Oh, or they were, someone was, was not on the same page. It, it was, it was a problem later down the line, you know? Mm. So it's, um, I, I yeah. Yeah. I say it often. Uh, it's in the contracting you know, contracting, contracting, contracting. When you have that agreement at the beginning, everything gets easier down the line. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, last question. Um, if you could take over the screen of uh, a person or a group of people, including the whole world, but could be also one people, whoever you like, uh, and have their undivided attention for a minute, what would you tell them? You know, I've been dreading this question because when you asked it me, when we first booked this in, I couldn't think of an answer and you asked it me again. The, and I was like, the only one I share with my guests. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and I, 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 you know, what? I don't, I don't know. It'll be different every time. Um, cause I could say certain things and like, I could, you know, one of the things I find with men, like I work a lot with men, uh, non-coaches, I'm talking about my non-coaching clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so my clients who are non-coaches, um, and I find they've got some version of I'm not enough is like every, every single one. And I'm like, would I say that? Because th- there's also a, I mean, this is the other thing I see and, and maybe it's me is that I've kind of moved away from thinking about what if I could get my message across, like through YouTube or 
marketing or you know so screens because i really and, and maybe it's just a preference i just like working one-on-one or in a, in a small group because there's a difference right like i would rather have a small group in in person than take over the screen of everyone in the world right because it and to me it's like do i have a shallow impact on loads of people or do I have a really deep impact on a very small number of people? And I find that having a really deep impact on a very small number of people has much, mm. much a bigger effect in the world. In my opinion, I think it has a, a, a more ripples because, you know, you, you can see people who do these motivational videos and we've watched them all, right? And maybe it's even a 20 minute motivational video. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to change the world. And then the next day you're still doing the same thing. Mm. So I don't know if I could share anything. If I took <laughs> over the screen of everyone's and had the undivided attention that would actually change that. There's probably things mm. I could say, but um, I, w- I would probably just like to have more, you know, uh, s- smaller group interaction where i could really look at someone and really tell them something that i know would really land for them right i'll i'll take it as an answer of sorts <laughs> thank you cool well so before we close uh Anchor, thank you so much where can, where can people find you if they wanted to work with you um anything you wanted to tell people who are listening not in terms of you know taking over their screens but like uh anything you wanted to give to people before we close today well um Uh, you, I think you said everyone that tends to watch our coaches. I've got a ton of content for free on my website. So the best place to go is Ankush Jain, A-N-K-U-S-H-J-A-I-N.co.uk, not .com, .co.uk. And if you go there, there's so much content. I've got like four different YouTube channels. I've done two different podcasts in, the, in my life. I've got so much stuff there. So just go to the website and you'll get a ton of stuff for free and, and it's good stuff. So, uh, so do check it out. Awesome. Ankush, thank you so much for the conversation. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your attitude towards coaching. I really appreciate having a dig into your philosophy and uh, uh, interesting, the three principles. I'm sh- there's so much more I feel, and it was great to sit with you. So um, lots of gratitude for you and the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for listening to another episode of Talking About Coaching. I really appreciate your time and I hope we were able to spark some interesting thoughts for you. I'm always keen to hear what people are taking from these sessions, so if something shifted for you or your practice, it'd be really lovely if you left a comment or drop me an email at 42existential.coach. If you'd like to join or continue the conversation, you can do so in our Talking About Coaching community currently hosted on Facebook. I believe strongly in the generative effect of coaching. And so the purpose of this podcast is to help coaches be better coaches, to give back to the community by sharing what we know and to generate even more knowledge and connection the best way we know how, through conversations. If you wanted to contribute to this mission, there are a few options. A positive review of the podcast will make it more visible to other coaches. And in turn, I think it will benefit not just them, but their clients, their workplaces, their communities, and the world as a whole. Telling a colleague or a friend about what we do here, uh, perhaps sharing the link to this or another episode with them, I believe that's probably the most powerful way of spreading the word. And you can also support the podcast on Patreon, 
which will help us to produce more episodes in more regular intervals. So far, it's been very much a labor of love, and I'd love to get to a point where we can turn down paid work in favor of recording another episode. And speaking of which, there are plenty more episodes available, both long-form deep dives into specific topics, approaches, or people, as well as much shorter conversations where we discuss very specific questions from new and from experienced coaches. So have a browse and see if anything piques your interest. And feel free to send us a question or suggest somebody that you think we should talk to. We'd love to hear from you. Now, that's it for today. Once more, thank you for listening and see you again soon.